Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Oh, yeah, he said he had two cats. Oh, shit. Well, I guess that's not a sin anymore. But it's still a <laughs> sin in my heart. Welcome to Gold Diamonds of Death, a James Bond podcast. I'm your double O host, Jonathan Watkins. I am a writer for all things under the CinemaSense brand name and a co-host of the Behind the Sense podcast. Joining me each and every week for this endeavor, he's the co-founder of CinemaSense, co-host of the weekly podcast, Recotopia. His favorite stuffed animal is doo-doo. Yes. And he's also one of my good friends, Mr. Chris Just Atkinson. be sure that everybody knows there's a you at the end of that. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. boy, that would be really embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, it already, it's still embarrassing. Uh, anyway. <laughs> well, that, that that could just be how you spell it. Could you know, be. We don't know. Could be. Doo-doo. Uh, mm-hmm. That's, by the way, maybe the most adorable child I've ever seen in any mm-hmm. film ever. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think she gives Jerry Maguire kid a run for his money. I think so. Plus, I think that kid turned out to be kind of a, well, I don't know. He's probably very nice. I I'm not going to make fun of, mm-hmm. I'm not going to make fun of Jonathan Lipnicki. He's probably awesome. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, hello. We are talking about the 27th, and I guess, I don't know if you call this our first season. I'm not sure what we call I guess technically it is. Uh, this is our season finale, because this is the last film. That, so at this point in time, when we are recording in 2023, uh, the last Bond film that exists is uh, No Time to Die, which I might call Die Another Day, because I keep wanting to call it Die Another Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, and they're not alike. It's just the title for some reason. It's got die in there mm-hmm. and they kind of like resemble each other, like what they're trying to say. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, that might happen. But uh, yeah, you're doing good. Uh, you're, you're excited to talk about this last film. I uh, am excited to talk about this last film. Yes. Uh, there are nice. a lot of things to deconstruct about No Time to Die. There is. Mm-hmm. I will say I don't have as much information. Prob- well, I mean, I, I had to find information different ways because the book that I've been using this whole time uh, that I've no one does. Nobody does it better. Uh, the, the James guide, James Bond guide. 
uh, they only covered up to Spectre. This came out, I mean, I'm sorry, up to, no, Spectre, that's right, up to Spectre. Uh, at the end of the book, it does say that No Time to Die had been announced. It had already been titled, so they, they did know it was coming, but the book was published uh, before that. So I didn't have the book to go by, so this is all like online. I uh, watched a few interviews, that kind of thing, uh, and tried to try to hopefully got some stuff that's actually factual and not just like fluff. Mm, mm-hmm. but, um, but I did my best. So anyways, let's talk about the behind the scenes in a segment we like to call Eon Flux. This is a journey. I'm going to make a movie. We have to go back, Kate. Wow. How did you know all that stuff? I did my research. I don't understand any of this. What the fuck is going on? We are going to scour through the history of Eon Productions and give you all the highs and lows that went into the makings of these films. Uh, No Time to Die. This is the 27th Bond film recovery, but this is the 25th film in the official franchise it is also the first james bond film to be distributed by universal pictures uh they picked up the international rights after the the sony contract uh expired mgm still held on to the the domestic but universal came in and and got the international uh which probably worked out a little better for universal than it did mgm this time around uh although it did make more money domestically than i remembered Okay, so let's go through this first. This was originally scheduled for release in November of 2019. This movie has a ton of delays, uh, even pre uh, that thing that happened in 2020. Yes. It got postponed to February 2020. It was supposed to come out November of 2019. It got postponed to February 2020 for just, they were still developing it. Then, um, who I'll talk about Danny Boyle in a second, but Danny Boyle had been hired as a director, and then he left. So then it got postponed again to April 2020. I don't know how they only needed two more months, but that's what it was. And then in 2020, this little thing happened. Maybe some of you have heard of it. It's called COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, too, because this was interesting. So all this stuff starts to come down. We're actually about to have our Cinema Sense event in 2020 that is called Sin Week, for any of you listening that don't necessarily also watch Cinema Sense. Uh, or, or know about us, but um, we were about to have it. So I could remember, you know, during that, like we didn't know what we were going to do. And I can even remember like the night we had like our opening night dinner thing we do every year for Sun Week. I go home and the NBA season has been canceled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, this is, this is getting kind of serious. And then I think maybe like the day before or the next day, I heard that James Bond moved. Yeah. Um. Oh, I think Godzilla versus Kong too, because I think at one point that was going to be the movie we saw. So I think that had moved too. Yeah, because uh, we ended up having to go see Bloodshot. That was uh, which was probably a lot of people's last movie mm-hmm. uh, uh, pre-COVID in the theater. So this or it was one of those, but this was one of the first major ones where I was like, okay, if they're moving, and it obviously has a lot to do with the international stuff too, because internationally, a lot of things were already shutting down before we did. So. I think initially the 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 choose choice to move was had less to do with us and more to do with other countries. But then once we shut down and all the theaters had to start closing and all that stuff, then obviously everything had to start moving. But I remember Bond being one of the first. Do you remember it that way too? It was one of the first big ones. Um yeah. uh there were there were several others out there. What was it um what was the Disney movie that was getting pushed back? Um Oh, was it Mulan? Uh, Mulan was another one that got pushed back, right? Yeah, I, it might have been Mulan. Yeah. Um, one one of the, it's a, I can't remember what the others were, but there were a couple others that were. I mean, like yeah. Onward was the last one I remembered watching in theaters. I think I think that's the last one I saw in theaters. I'm not sure. Uh, Bloodshot. It would have been Bloodshot. We saw that after Onward. 
it was after Onward. So Onward came out what in like a week before. Week before it was. So, yeah. yeah. So and then so after that, yeah, I think the big ones after that were like Mulan was supposed to come out in May. They mm-hmm. kept moving that, and they ended up just coming out with it on Disney Plus, I believe. Yeah, it might have had a small theatrical release, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it was day and date, if anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever that happened, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And then like all that stuff, like all the summer stuff started moving. Um, like you know, Top Gun that started its first of, yeah. of several several moves. Ghostbusters, Afterlife. Uh, Black Widow, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it came out like, yeah, because it was like a move like a year. Because um, the only stuff that really ended up coming out was like Tenet. Yeah. And that that X-Men movie. Um, oh, the... Uh, the New Mutants. New Mutants, which had already been pushed back millions of yeah. times anyway. But, yeah, exactly. But mostly when, when uh, COVID, when the theaters finally opened back up, they were mostly showing older stuff like, you know, Ghostbusters. And, yeah. And that was kind of fun though. Like you'd have weeks where like Empire Strikes Back was the number one movie. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. kind of wild. Yeah. Uh, uh, so anyways, April, 2020 COVID hits, it gets moved to November, 2020, which a lot of these films did this. They moved to the fall mm-hmm. and then still not a lot of stuff was opening to the point where they thought they were actually going to make the money they needed to make. Um, so it got delayed again to April, 2021, and then it got moved even again to October of 2021, which is when it finally starts getting released. Mm -hmm. It's interesting too. I I was trying to, I, I know I've heard people talk about this, but I couldn't find anything concrete online, but I had heard, and I'm sure this did happen because I think all the streaming services were, were trying to, you know, you know, get these franchises on their, get these movies on their service. And so I'm Bond was they got some pretty lucrative deals. Like they would have made a shit ton of money if they had just sold to a streaming service, but they just refused to do it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Bond for seven decades now, Bond has always been a big theatrical event, and they just refused to to back down from that. Probably lost money, you know. Mm-hmm. But that was that was more important to them than, you know, and they still made some money. I mean, they didn't lose I don't know how much they would have lost, but um, especially worldwide. Uh it premiered at the Royal Albert, Albert Hall in London on September 28th, 2021. And then the UK got in wide release on the 30th. And then in the US, it was October 8th. It grossed $774 million worldwide. Mm. And $160.9 million was in the US, which made it the lowest box office for a Craig-led Bond film. And it actually made a little less than Die Another Day. It was really close. It was like within a couple hundred thousand mm-hmm. uh, or something like that. But it's still, you know, that was interesting. Uh, it did finish seventh at the box office because that was that was a weird year. Uh, more movies that year made a hundred million than I thought, but it was still obviously a really odd year, uh, with the exception of like Spider Man No Way Home, which mm-hmm. just was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but it finished at seventh. It was between Eternals made a little more, <laughs> and Quiet Place Part Two made a little less. Mm-hmm. It's still like the I think the fourth highest grossing. Uh, like current bond, like a uh, without without inflation, it's still you know in that area of like, mm-hmm. top four or five, uh, which all these Craig films basically were. But a lot of it had to do with the worldwide you know release. Okay, so yeah, so that's it on the release. Uh, the development for this began all the way back in 2016. Uh, in 2017, Neil Purvis and Robert Wade uh, were hired. Uh, they so they map out the story like they've been doing for the last few. Uh, Sam Mendez did not want to return. Uh, I did read a couple places that Christopher Nolan 
was a name they were tossing about. I couldn't really figure out if he actually turned it down, though, or if it was just something that was being mentioned. Mm-hmm. Well, um, besides, he was making his own Bond film, a quote-unquote, exactly. with Tenet, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, and would have... and. I can't when I just can't imagine him agreeing to do a Bond film because he just he he would unless they let him make it like he wanted to make it. Yeah. Uh, which it probably would have been basically what Tenet was, and it would have been very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> uh that's a movie I'd need to watch again. Cause it was really interesting to me when you and uh, I can't remember who you send it with, you and Aaron maybe. Mm-hmm. And you guys just talking about, you know, going back and rewatching it and watching the interviews. It just I don't know. I need, yeah, to, I need to watch that I've never done again. so much research into a movie on a Sins video. But then I don't, on I don't know that you should have to. I mean, I feel like that's a negative on the movie in a way, but I do understand also people say they like the fact that it makes you think, it makes you try to figure out. Well, yeah, I, I, just, I just didn't want to send it and just... I, we we always sort of plead ignorance on all these Sins videos anyway, Yeah, and we could have done it that way, but... I really wanted to know exactly what the filmmakers thought was going on during certain scenes. Mm-hmm. So that's why I went through the behind the scenes on it and everything like that. But yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I It's weird. Nolan may be one of those unique directors who could just have, who has more power than the actual bond producers and he makes his own bond, but I still think it would mm-hmm. just end up being a bond movie just with a couple of flashes of Nolan in it. So you know. Yeah, yeah, kind of like Doctor Strange had a little bit of Raimi in there, but it was still basically just a Marvel movie, yeah. you know. Okay, so uh, Jan Demange, I'm going to go with that name. Uh, he uh, he was a, he was one of the ones that was approached. He directed a, an independent film called, uh, like a foreign film called 71. I've never seen it. I've heard good stuff about I have it. Not. He also directed he also directed White Boy Rick. Okay, which I'm sorry to say I have seen. And um, he's currently the director listed for Blade. Okay. Uh, which has now been pushed back to like 2024 or something like that. Uh, David McKenzie was also approached. He directed, of course, Hell or High Water. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Denny uh, Villeneuve. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He he chose to go do Dune. Uh, it looked like he actually might have had an offer or at least they were discussing something. And then he said, well, I'm going to go do Dune. Uh, Villeneuve also, of course, directed Arrival. Uh, and you know many mm-hmm. other stuff, yeah. uh, Sicario and all that fun stuff. Danny Boyle then signs on to write and direct. Uh, we've talked about him a few times in this podcast because I remember we actually thought he had directed one at one point, and then we were like, "Oh no, he never did." Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I just forgot Sam Mendes directed too. I didn't realize that at the time. Yeah. Um, he got hired. He also brought John Hodge along with him to write the screenplay. Uh, John Hodge had worked with him on the first few films he had done, like Shallow Grave, Train Spotting, A Life Less Ordinary. Uh, and the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boyle had directed a short film also for the 2012 Olympics, which I don't remember this, but it was titled Happy and Glorious, and Daniel Craig is in it, and he's playing Bond. Mm. Um, and I tried to, like, I, I thought about looking for that and watching it, because I bet it's available, but then I kind of forgot about it. I don't know too many specifics other than what I could find, but Boyle's idea said he was going to explore Bond's origins, and it was going to take place almost solely in present-day Russia. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I could tell really made it to the final thing is that John Hodge came up with the idea of Bond having a child. Whether that's a good or bad thing that they kept that in yeah. is, is up to interpretation. Mm-hmm. But that was really one of the only things that really uh, stayed in in future uh, drafts. Uh, they left in 2018, so they left well before like the delays and stuff. Uh, they just there was creative differences, mm-hmm. uh, so they rolled. Carrie Joji Fukunaga, 
Uh, he directed, uh, you know, he comes in and gets hired to direct. Before this, he might be most well-known, at least mainstream. He wrote, well, True Detective is a show I think he created. Well, he was, and, I don't know if he created it. Um, but he's behind it. He was one of the co-creators, and it was like a yes. back and forth uh, between he and the other. God, I need to look this up, because... The reason why he left True Detective was because he like they had he had creative differences with the guy the other guy I believe oh Nick, uh, Nick Pizzolatto yes so he yeah so he he was one of the creators and uh, and and then uh, Kerry Joji Fukunaga was also uh, a part of that he's at least an executive producer or whatever but um but I remember he Fukunaga ended up leaving. Either mm-hmm. because he 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 didn't he didn't agree with what his partner was wanting to do, or some other reason, and that's when a lot of people pointed to True Detective losing a lot of its, um, like goodness or whatever. So they they a lot of people were attributing it to him leaving was the reason why it ended up not being so good in the next season and the following season after that. So. Yeah, and then he was also a credited writer on uh, the It films mm-hmm. um, that in 2017 and 2018. So before this, he had directed a few films. They were much smaller than James Bond, though. He did uh, Sin Nombre, was a highly acclaimed film uh, that he did. Uh, he also did a version of Jane Eyre that gets talked about a lot from uh, Jane 2011. Jane Eyre? Jane Eyre, sorry. Mm-hmm. Good God. I knew that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Jane Eyre. Uh, and, uh, uh, one of the first Netflix originals, I remember people like, you know, it didn't get nominated for any Oscars, but it was, it was definitely a well-regarded, uh, beast of no nation mm-hmm. with, uh, Idris Elba. Yeah. Uh, I also think when it comes to it, like he did not direct it. I think he was involved with that initially though. And I think, I think maybe he left that too. I can't remember, but regardless, he, he was credited as a writer, uh, for the two films. Uh, he was also the first American uh, director to do an Eon production uh, Bond film. Hmm. And he was also the first director to re- receive a writing credit on any Bond film, which is, hmm. I did, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And the cast really liked working with so him. So he, he's the first American to get a writing credit? No, he was the first American to direct uh, a James Bond film that was made by Eon Productions. Yeah, but then the, was, what was that? What was the thing after that? It just said he was the first director of any of the films to get a get a. Oh, I thought there was something about writing because I was like, well, Paul Haggis was <laughs> was on one, I know, and now he's the uh, only one that actually directed a Bond film mm-hmm. that got a co-writing credit. Yeah, okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah, which I still thought that was a little weird, but I also try. I also thought back about all the other directors, and most of them weren't also writers, so mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense. I think though, like I think Mendez might have like I think there's like some story credits and stuff like that on some of them because I know Mendez had some stuff that got in there, but I guess he just never actually got a writing credit. Mm-hmm. But anyways, uh, let's see. The cast really liked working with him. Uh, ben Wishaw said it felt almost like an independent film because he highly encouraged uh, improvisation mm-hmm. uh, while they were on set. Uh, we get a new new cinematographer, uh, Linus Sandgren, who's done a lot of work. For uh, Damon Chazelle, uh, it was actually he won the Academy Award for La La Land. Mm. Uh, that was the award La La Land actually won. Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's mostly known. He's a really un- he's considered an unconventional uh, cinematographer. He 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 films in a lot of different formats uh, mm. that don't necessarily, but a lot of people don't mess around with. Um, 
Purvis and Wade, I already said, they were they were actually brought back again to work with Fukunaga once Danny Boyle and uh, Hodge left. Uh, and Paul Haggis returned, mm. but he was not credited. Uh, the most interesting person, uh, Phoebe Wallerbridge comes in uh, to do some polishing. Uh, like I said, she's probably known to most people for Fleabag, mm. uh, a really popular series that ended like just a year or two ago. Um, she got brought in in 2019. Uh, she became the second female screenwriter to receive a credit on a Bond film. And the other one was all the way back who we talked about, Joanna Hardwood from Dr. No and from Russia with Love. So they didn't have a female writer at all for mm. however many years that is. Yeah. Um, she was uh, she was brought in to brush up the dialogue. Uh, I think, I mean, I didn't find anything super specific, but the the scenes that are actually funny, like the humorous dialogue and stuff, I feel like that was a lot of her, her mm-hmm. doing. Uh, they also said she really beefed up, which this is kind of funny because she's still not in the movie that much, but apparently Paloma uh, had her, was it was it Paloma? Was that how they said her name? Paloma? The uh, uh, Arnest, Arna de Armas character? Anyways, the Arna de Paloma. Armas character. Yeah. Paloma? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, Paloma had less to do until uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge came in and actually pumped her roll up a little bit, beefed it up. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess she was just like, originally she was just supposed to be like, here's your suit. Yeah, Bye. pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Arna de Armas had a lot of fun working on this film, by the way. She oh said, yeah. Uh, I've it, seen, a, I've seen a couple of behind the scenes on her and she's really, yeah. really enjoyed it. Um, one idea that was brought up that Fukunaga toyed with and, uh, Broccoli was like, no, we're not doing this. And I'm glad, uh, the first two acts of the film he suggested, we would find out it's all in Bond's head. Oh, my God. Blofeld, Blofeld has been torturing him this whole time. Oh, God. And then the third act would have been him realizing what's going on, and then he fights Blofeld. So I was pretty happy that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying I'm completely in love with the villain role. They ended up, the villain, the thing with the villain that they ended up going with. Yeah. But it's still better than that, I think. An idea that Craig had started talking about uh, in 2006 um, after they wrapped Casino Royale that did make the final film was, of course, Bond dying. Uh, this is the first film in the franchise where the character is exterminated. Uh, there were other ideas discussed on how he would die, including being shot, but Fukunaga felt it had to be something that wasn't just a conventional weapons death. He just thought it needed to be something a little grander and a little more meaningful, which, uh, you know, they mm. pretty much nailed that, I think. Uh, they had a really hard time coming up with the title. Uh, Broccoli said... She wanted a title that fit, but she felt like almost every title they were coming up with also kind of spoiled the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they finally, in 2019, they settled on No Time to Die. Before that, it was just called Bond Bond 25. Yep. She kind of wish they'd called it that. It's like the Washington football team, Bond mm-hmm. 25. So, cast, Daniel Craig is back. This is his fifth. And, I mean, I don't know how it's not going to be his last time, uh, but that's, that's, you know, who knows. Uh, but I'm sure it's his last time. Uh, there was a lot of talk after Spectre by Craig. Craig kind of wanted Spectre to be his last film for a minute. Uh, he actually said, I would rather slash my wrist than play Bond again. Mm-hmm. That wasn't really in reference to the films. It was just, he went through a lot. It was very physical. It was demanding. He mm-hmm. got injured a ton. Like, yeah. I think more than, I don't remember, us. If I feel like every one of his movies, we're talking about him having to have surgery or, yeah. or something. Uh, which did happen in this one, by the yeah, way. Yeah, there's absolutely no question as to why somebody would want to leave uh, this franchise when they're doing it. It doesn't matter how successful the movies are. Your own well-being yeah. 
is more important than, you know, you making another $20 million paycheck or whatever they're paying oh, for this. Yeah. So exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably like playing football or something. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you got, you got to think about other things. And I think also that's why, like, I know with the new one, they keep talking about, they're going to cast somebody younger for the next stage. And I, I get that because a, you want somebody that's willing to be like in five or six films, but also you don't want them like they can, you know, you just do more when you're younger, right? Like mm-hmm. you can, uh, you know, you don't have a lot of the issues you have once you hit like, I don't know, late forties, early fifties, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, there was a rumor for a while though, that he even, they were trying to get him to do two more and he turned down a hundred million dollar offer. He has denied that. And he only ended up getting, he only, he ended up getting paid 25 million for no time to die. Mm. So I'm assuming that hundred million thing was bullshit. Cause that doesn't really make sense why well, he would have turned that down, but then been like, yeah, let's do 25 for one. Yeah. But he, and he has also said in interviews, the best part of his career is getting to play bond. So mm. it's not like he didn't like playing the role. It was just, like I said, it was the, his reluctance came with all the injuries. Yeah. He insane. And you know, simply just getting older. That's like why you've just, seen several, you know, you were talking about football. That's why you've seen football yeah. players suddenly. I mean, we've seen some yeah. anomalies over the years that, you know, people like Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson and Jim Brown, all these guys retired early because of, of the yeah, wear Andrew and tear. Locke. Yeah, wear and tear on their bodies. And now you're seeing it happen a lot. It's like, I don't want to, yeah. I made some money. I don't need, I don't need to like keep playing at this point. Just, you know, so anyway. And I think also just, he doesn't really say this specifically, but it's probably kind of, you know, Roger Moore was like this too. I mean, you're getting older. They're having you like flirt with like these women that are like three decades younger mm-hmm. than you. And I'm sure it, it gets a little weird probably. Yeah. Uh, after a while. Uh, Leia Sadu is back as Dr. Madeline Swan. Uh, this is the first female lead to be in successive uh, uh, Bond films. Rami Malik uh, as I've always said Rami Malik on him. Rami, it's it is. Okay. I don't know why I say everything wrong. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Uh, R- Rami Malik, uh, Lucifer. Uh, oh my Saffin. god, the worst name ever. They should have just called him Lucifer. Yeah, like why not? That's what you're going for. It's like uh, just it's like almost like Lucifer. It's almost like they did call him Lucifer, and they're like, "Nah, that's too dumb. Let's let's put a T in there and a Y." <laughs> yeah, L Y U T S I F E R. So dumb. And they end up just calling him Savin. Yeah, exactly. Um, could you can imagine like having to say his first name as an actor? I'd be like, "Fuck you." Yeah, right. Just call me Lucifer. Uh, I really couldn't find stuff like other people being offered jobs or being, the only thing I saw was that like, there was something about, but the villain was going to be different in the Boyle one. It was going to be a Russian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was a Russian villain. So, but uh, yeah, so we got Rami Malek, uh, Lashana Lynch, uh, yep. very, very good actress. I love her. Uh, probably know her from the woman King. Uh, she's also in Captain Marvel and Dr. Strange mm-hmm. and multiverse of madness. Uh, she plays Nomi, a.k.a. the new 007. Yep. We're going to talk about the movie, but I still, man, that scene, because I've seen this movie like four or five times now, because we, you know, I saw it in the theater, we send it, mm-hmm. I watched it with my wife, and then I watched it again for this. And uh, that scene where she asked Elm to give him back the 007 mm-hmm. just makes me cringe yeah. more and more every time I see it's the dumbest thing. Yeah. They're like in the middle of this like do or die situation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, no one cared that she was 007. No. We were all fine with it. It didn't even look like Bond himself cared that she was 007. I know. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, Ray Fiennes is back as Elm. 
who I also found out he was he had had an injury or something right before they. I don't think it had came in the movie. I think it's during the movie, but that's why he's sitting down a lot, hmm. and uh, and also why he kind of looks like he's in pain sometimes. He really was. So hmm. uh, he he had had some kind of just some kind of surgery injury or something going on at the time. Uh, ben Wishaw's back as Q. We also find out Q is gay in this film. Yep. And, and, and it's not really, like, it's not focused on. He, it's one line where he just says, you know, he, he'll be here in 20 right. minutes or something like that. It was a funny thing, too, I noticed uh, going back through all of these Bond movies. Uh, I remember in the Sins video, uh, <laughs> like, uh, making fun of the fact that the cat that's in the, in the house keeps appearing in places where they show yeah. up. Well, yeah. he says, I think, two movies before that he has two cats. But the mm-hmm. way they shoot it, they don't they don't really alert you to the fact that he's got two cats no. and it just looks like a cat just shows up everywhere he goes. Cuz it like the when they let them in it runs upstairs, right? Yeah, and then there's, and then one there's on this, the table. Yeah, there's one on the table that has been on the table this whole time. <laughs> yeah. But like he says he says he has two cats like two movies before this. It's not like you're mm-hmm. supposed to remember that or anything. No. So anyway, uh, one of those fun <laughs> one of those fun things when you go back over a movie you send and you go, oh yeah, he said he had two cats. Oh shit. Well, I guess that's not a sin anymore. But it's still a sin <laughs> in my heart. So mm-hmm. he's tele- the teleporting cat. Yeah. Um, that also that cat. I mean, maybe it's not, but like that, when I see one of those hairless cats, all I think about is Dr. Evil mm-hmm. and, or, yeah. or Austin Powers. That almost feels like that had to be a, a reference to Austin Powers. Cause I, well, I just, I don't know. Bond even says they sell them with, they, they uh, offer them with hair now or whatever. It's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or sell them with fur or something yeah. like that. <laughs> That's actually a really funny scene though. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, when we got Naomi Harris is back as uh, money penny. Uh, Jeffrey Wright makes his first appearance as Felix Leiter since Quantum of Solace, which he was barely even in. Yeah. Uh, he's also the first actor to play Leiter uh, three times. Billy Magnuson. Magnuson, uh, I think. I think it's Mag- Magnuson. It's, it's, Magnuson. I think it's Magnuson. It could, there could be an extra weird syllable in there, but I think it's Magnuson. Yeah. Billy Magnuson. It's really interesting seeing him in this because I mostly know him from Game Night. Yeah. Uh, where he's a very different well, character. And I think around this time and around this, this area, he was in like, it seemed like, everything at this yeah, point yeah he's in a lot yeah, yeah. he uh bridge of spies which had yep. come out right around this time he was also in into the woods i don't remember when that came out but it wasn't that long ago yeah i mean around this time it wouldn't have been that long ago uh he plays uh logan ash uh which is uh felix Leiter's partner or whatever never at first, ever but then you trust find- a partner of felix Leiter's. never ever trust a partner of felix Leiter's. i know mm-hmm. when in that one scene too it's like it's like i don't, I don't even know why bond and Leiter don't pick up on that immediately yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i guess they're just trying i know bond's trying to figure out what the hell's going on because he just saw this crazy thing happen where all of specter died yeah but still Christoph Waltz is back as Blofeld. He actually denied that he was coming back. And I, I, I get that maybe he thought he had to keep it secret or something. But then uh, then the trailer comes out. And, like, it shows him in the trailer. And then he's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I guess I'm in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and Rory Kinnear is back as Tanner, our favorite. Yes. Uh, the, only, the only sidekick that never turns bad. Although mm-hmm. he may be going to in one of these. Probably. And then uh, Ana de Armas. Uh, we mentioned her really quick. But she is in here as Paloma. Paloma. She's mm-hmm. in about ten minutes of the movie, maybe, but uh, should be in more. She makes her presence known, huh? Should be in more than she is. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Especially her and Craig have really good 
Uh, they play off each other really well. If they wanted to make a Bond movie with Lashana Lynch and Ana de Armas going around kicking there ass, I'd watch it. Maybe not. Oh, that's hell the yeah. The problem is, the problem is, it seems like half the country probably wouldn't watch it, so that's why they'll yeah. never make it. Yeah, and before the movie even came out that week, it'd be like a 2.7 on IMDb because yeah. everybody would come in and like, women! Right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, the only other actor I'll mention, there's not a lot of actors in this movie that haven't been in other movies, other Bond movies before. Uh, so David Densick, uh, pretty memorable role as Dr. Uh, Valdo Arubachev, Abruchev, but... The only thing about him that I thought was kind of annoying was he was such a Boris from mm-hmm. I think, uh, uh, the character from Goldeneye. Yeah, uh, he was. He's oh, exactly it. like that. I mean, oh, was, he, just so needed, he just needed a pen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, they even have that banter like in the in the office or whatever yeah. that was really similar. Right. To, uh, it's like they just to took the blueprint from Goldeneye and just like <laughs> just like you know. Did that little credit card, those old credit card things where you have the yeah. triplicates or whatever. They like just yeah, like, like yeah. just put that in the screenplay. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Uh, somebody needs to invent that for screenplays if it mm-hmm. doesn't already exist. Yeah, but he's actually a really good character actor. He's in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. He was in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the, the David Fincher mm-hmm. uh, American remake. But uh, he's the scientist who creates this thing called Project Heracles, which is the the I don't know if it's really a MacGuffin. I guess it is pretty important to the plot, but it's it's the main like weapon that um that the bad guy is is going to use on the world. Um, filming locations for this one: uh, Jamaica, Italy, Norway, uh, the Faroe Islands, and London. Uh, and of course, there was some stuff done at Pinewood Studios. First Bond film to have sequences shot with a sixty-five millimeter IMAX camera. Mm. Um, I did not see this in IMAX, so I don't know if that was cool, but I'm sure it was. Uh, I thought that was kind of weird. This was the first one, though. But I don't know. Maybe that wasn't. Maybe that wasn't really the norm yet. Um, other than Nolan. Yeah, you know, I mean, maybe. it's the the that kind of. I guess it kind of started. Yeah, it, it, I think it's surprising. Just because, and it may be just the fact that Barbara Broccoli and Michael Wilson said, "Hey, this is the way we've always done it. We're, let's not try to do anything with." with a with a bigger camera or whatever but uh I, yeah i mean it it th- at this point it's been a thing to shoot things in imax um mm-hmm. because of nolan and mission impossible movies and yep. things like that yeah. have, have really That's tried true. to uh make use of that frame so it is kind of surprising that's the first time so i was so happy when i remember watching ghost protocol um with my fear of heights and vertigo i was so happy i didn't see that in imax no oh, it was insane that would have been, mm. would have been like passed out. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. That would have been awful. Uh, or like if you're in one of those theaters where the chairs move and all oh, that crap. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah. So uh, Daniel Craig, I already kind of alluded to this, but he had to have surgery. He had an ankle injury uh, while they were filming in Jamaica. Uh, so once again, he had to have surgery. I feel like we say that every week. Yep. Or, or at least something got injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also damaged the 007 stage at Pinewood. There was a controlled explosion that went a little haywire. Uh, and it, that delayed filming even more. Hmm. Uh, and then obviously we already talked about the film had a lot of delays with Boyle. Uh, this is, I mean, obviously COVID delayed it after it was done, but while it was being filmed. Like there was at one point, this could have come out, this should have come out before COVID anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was supposed to come out in 2019. So uh, they just they got, they just got really screwed. Uh there, there's supposed to be a lot of callbacks to past Ken Adams sets in this movie. 
uh, mostly including Safin's lair. There's supposed to be a direct reference to Dr. No in there. I could not find what it was. Yeah, Did you notice anything? I didn't really notice, but it's also yeah. now been nearly a year since I've seen exactly. Dr. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. But I was, it was weird. I couldn't find anybody that actually said what it was. It was just the, uh, the director or somebody said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, the article I was reading just didn't say what it was. Uh, the stunt coordinator, who was uh, Lee Morrison, uh, he said the motorcycle stunt was the hardest one to shoot. And he said it was mainly because the roads in Matero, Italy, where they were shooting, were mm. all cobblestone. Mm. So it was super slippery, and it was super bumpy. Mm. So it ended up really... It, it took them forever to be able to get that down. There are a lot of a lot of long takes in this film. Uh, that was something that Fukunaga wanted. Uh, Daniel Craig really didn't want it. I, I, I don't know if it just makes the action scenes easier to shoot if you're doing like close-ups and cutting, probably. I'm sure that's what it was, uh, but uh, Craig wanted it to be more traditionally cut. But then once he saw what Fukunaga was doing, uh, he became a fan. A lot of the sound design is based around video games. Uh, Fukunaga saw uh, it's Call Call of Duty. Uh, there's like this metallic clink sound uh, that they they basically they didn't. I guess they paid homage to it or they took it from it. I don't know. Uh, also said Half Life, Biohazard, and The Last of Us were also big influences. Yeah, I've never really... played any of these games. So <laughs> yeah, see, I guess I guess that makes sense here and there. Well, it it was interesting to me because I felt like, especially towards the end, a lot of this felt sometimes like a video game, especially at the end where he's like going upstairs and he keeps having to shoot people and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like grenades being dropped down. Right there, there. That was it's funny. Some of that, a little bit of. I thought about that a little bit. I was wondering if The Last of Us had any kind of influence at all mm-hmm. in this uh, on this oh, movie. That's interesting. But, I mean, it was just a brief. There was just brief moments. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, this is so The Last of Us or anything. You know? So, <laughs> no, I know, I know. Mm-hmm. But that was definitely like that was him going up different levels, and there were different bad guys or shooters or whatever. I mean, it was. It, it was hard to not mistake that as something that was clearly supposed to be kind of have that style to so it. So let me go on screen rant. They do a whole thing about Dr. No. They say Safin parallels Dr. No. Um, yeah. The two Bond well, there villains. There were a lot of rumors that that's who he was. Uh, the two Bond the villains bear out. so many similarities that it's theorized that Safin might actually be Dr. No, although this ended up not being the case. Um Let's see. It's a plenty of Easter eggs. Safin even donning a Japanese no mask when he appears. Um, let's see. Uh, the the two Von villains have strikingly similar lairs. The company they keep, and even the mm-hmm. even them both seemingly having their hearts on the right side rather than the left. I don't know about that. I don't remember anything about Safin's heart <laughs> in this. However, while Doctor No introduces James Bond to the organization Spectre, Safin poses much more personal threat to James Bond. Um, and then let's see, uh, they visit Jamaica is another one is kind of, man, it's kind of silly. Um, yeah. uh, and then James Bond meets Felix Leiter in Jamaica. That's the other one. And then let's see, Nomi's introduction re- references Honey Ryder in Dr. No. Um, so hmm. it's like stuff like that. It looks like they're in a way they're stretching it a bit. Like I yeah. can understand like the character himself being, like kind of like a doctor no but like everything yeah. else they're coming up with in that article looks like yeah i guess okay <laughs> i get yeah, yeah. <laughs> both movies had ocean yeah exactly yeah i forgot to write that down but i did read this uh Safin was actually supposed to have a 
uh, sidekick. Like there was supposed to be like an odd job or like a you know like Dave Bautista in the last film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that he did, that character did not make it uh, to the final drafts. Uh, it got it got put it got pushed out um, at some point. Also, for this movie being like as long as it is, like Safin is not in it at all. Like he's yeah. so barely in it. It's I kind of I forget that every time. Mm-hmm. But there's like a good forty five minutes where you don't see him. Yeah. At all, I don't. I think, um, even though like we talked about Armas, even though she was only on screen for like ten minutes, uh, she had to go through a lot of Rigo's training uh, just for that because and all the stunt work because yeah. that was a pretty big action sequence, and uh, she loved it. She mm-hmm. said it was it was a lot of fun. She's it was a the hardest badass. she's ever worked. Yeah, mm-hmm. she said it was a lot of fun. I kind of feel like just seeing her in interviews about it. I kind of feel like the way her character is acting, like this is my first assignment and stuff like that. Like I almost feel like that's her, like being mm-hmm. just. Like I'm, I'm in a scene with Daniel Craig talking about Bond. Yeah, it's also funny, obviously, because they were in Knives Out together too. I also feel like Knives Out helped them feel more comfortable letting Daniel Craig actually be funny because, like, I, I feel like that made. I don't, I didn't read this. Like, I'm just saying this, but it was interesting. After Knives Out, all of a sudden, he's getting like these genuinely funny dialogue in this mm-hmm. Bond movie. Yeah. Um. And a lot of that has to do with Phoebe Waller Bridge, obviously, as well. But mm-hmm. I, I just wonder if they felt more comfortable. They thought Craig might be, handle. might have have, yeah, yeah. Because my favorite is Leia Sadu, uh after he's met her kid, and then she's like, "Come downstairs, I've got something I've got to show you." And then he's just like, "Is it another kid?" Yeah, it's another kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, music. So Dan Romer was initially signed on to be the composer. Uh, he had worked with Fukunaga on Beast of No Nation. He also worked on the HBO's miniseries Station Eleven, and he won an Emmy for that. Mm-hmm. Or was nominated for an Emmy. Sorry, he did not win it. Uh, Romer left, though, uh, over creative differences. He leaves in 2019, and Hans Zimmer, uh, who I would think most people know who that is, but yep. uh, Lion King, Pirates of the Caribbean, Inception. Million others. All the Dark Knight movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, yes, he is. He was brought up. He was brought on to replace him. He was the first time that a, co- a composer had been replaced in post-production on a Bond film. Hmm. Uh, and then for the song, uh, No Time to Die, we find we one of, uh, yeah, this is only the second Craig film to actually, of course, the other titles don't really lean themselves to song titles. So Skyfall and this one were about all they could get away with. Uh, Billie Eilish and her brother, uh, Phineas O'Connell, uh, they co-wrote the theme song. Billie Eilish obviously performs it. Uh, she was the youngest singer to write a Bond theme song, mm-hmm. and uh, she was 18 at the time yeah. when uh, this was done. Uh, also, what's interesting is because the song was released right before one of the times Bond, the movie was supposed to come out, yep. and then the movie got delayed. So the song ends up winning a Grammy uh, for it's like, I don't I didn't even know this Grammy existed, but it's best song written for visual media, mm-hmm. but it won it six months before the movie was even released. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this song had been playing for like a year. Yeah. Uh, once uh, the movie got released, uh, Louis Armstrong's version of We All Have the Time in the World is also used in part of the film's score. Mm-hmm. It's also played over the closing credits. And this was a version also used in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, which yep. was a film that Fukunaga felt uh, paralleled in some ways uh, mm-hmm. with Bond dealing with the loss. It was, a, it was a different type, but it was, you know, Bond dealing with the loss of a. Uh, of a, of a loved one. I believe or, or it, I believe it's a Lazenby that says we have all the time in the world at the end of mm-hmm. Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And of I course, that is correct. Of course, Diana Rigg gets blown away at the end of it. And yeah. he's sad. And then G- George Lazenby never played James Bond again. 
Yes, because, mm. because of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, because of that. Let's just so, leave, yeah, it, so just leave have, it there. Everybody can yeah. do. Everybody can connect <laughs> the dots. Yeah, it's just like we we discovered Spectre was a remake of Scream Three. Right, and, exactly. You know, Nobody you, you else can't did. say it wasn't. Right. <laughs> Come on here, Barbara Broccoli. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Tell just me I'm fess wrong. up. Fess up. So yeah, so it's like the opposite. Basically, it's Bond dying mm-hmm. and Tan. What, what's her name? What's it? Madeline? Madeline Swan. Yeah, Madeline Swan. Uh, also, this uh, we and we I think we've talked about this the last couple movies, but this was Billie Eilish. The song won the Grammy. I mean, I'm mean, the the Oscar mm-hmm. for for best you know song in a movie, and it was the third one to ever win, but it was also the third in a row. Yep. So, uh, and as of now, the last one to win. So, well, I guess we'll have to see if they can keep that streak alive with the next one, where I guess it'll be sung by, I don't know, Nicki Minaj. Yeah, know. like well, you know, like when they when they officially do hire Harry Styles as James Bond. Yeah. They can just use him to do the original song. Oh, that'd be as weird. Well. That'd be wild. Yeah, that'd I mean, be, you kind of have to I do think. some big Willie style in there with Harry Styles. There you go. I, I think you kind of have to make him sing the song if he's in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then you'd have Harry Styles singing over Harry Styles. That'd be, that'd be wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, reception of this movie it had at the time an approval rating of eighty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, average rating of seven point three out of ten. So it was pretty positive overall. Positives were mostly the handling of Bond's departure during the Craig era. They, everybody thought it was a nice send-off. It was considered one of the better send-offs for an actor playing the role, uh, which isn't that. I mean, I, Not I think it much. almost has to. It almost has to be by default. I mean, every <laughs> every single other one of them have been. Well, he might come back. And yeah, they don't have a exactly. real send off. And in this one, they knew he was not going to do another yeah. one. And they went ahead and killed him off at the end because that's what you can do. I have now. no idea why they thought or wanted Roger Moore to come back after you don't kill him. I don't know. I mean, uh, so yeah, uh, Kevin Mayer of the New York Times, or of the Times, he even put it in his year end top 10 best film list. Uh, stunt and action sequences, those were also praised by a bunch of people. Uh, negatives were mostly surrounding the length of the film. This was yeah, uh, once like again. 160, 162 minutes. Yeah, it's nearly three hours. Um, and again, I don't think it needs to be. There's parts that could be cut easily. It's not. Mm-hmm. This is a. Whenever you say a movie is too long, it's not because oh, I think movies that are two and a half hours are too long. It's that you see places where they just, for whatever reason, they could not take it upon themselves to cut certain things out of the movie and uh and it just ends up being a lot of bloat at the end so yeah mc I mean, mcu movies are probably the worst about this because mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean there's like so many scenes and you're just like do we really need the guardians of the galaxy arguing in a car like is that is that advancing the story in any mm-hmm. way <laughs> yeah uh but but yeah, like the middle of this movie, the middle section of this movie is like 45 minutes of exposition. It's mm-hmm. the craziest thing. Like it's just, and like I said, you don't even see Saffin and it's mm-hmm. just them going around trying to figure out things. And it's God, mm-hmm. it's just, they go see Blofeld. I mean, yeah. It's, just, it's not that interesting. I think when you say a movie's too long, it's because it feels long, right? Because there yeah. are, I mean, Lawrence of Arabia is what, almost four hours? That yeah. movie doesn't feel like doesn't that. Feel like like it's, it's, yeah, it really does feel like yeah. uh, it's a, uh, you know, when, when you, if you ever look at the time of Lawrence of Arabia, when it starts feeling long, it's almost over. So, yeah. Uh, and Rami Malek's uh, was criticized a little bit. Like, I didn't see a ton, but nobody really said anything positive about him either. So he just kind of was, he was well, just kind of there. Again, I don't think that's his fault. I don't think no, he's no, a, I don't either. I don't think that's a, a problem with him. I think 
from the moment this the, the from the moment they decided the direction of this movie his character was doomed in my eyes so um and, and that may yeah. that may not be uh the same take everybody else has about it but i i do feel like uh as soon as they made the plot what it was then his character was kind of doomed so yeah for sure i'm with you on that it won the best original song, as we already said. It also received uh, nominations for best sound and best visual effects. Mm. I don't know. The visual effects, sometimes, I don't know all the time what they're nominating when they nominate stuff for visual effects. Because so, mm-hmm. I don't know what in this, like, I mean, it looked good visually, but, like, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know. Yeah. But there weren't that many movies released that year either, so maybe not yeah. yeah. Maybe something only visual effects people can see. Although it's funny... We we say that, and then you know, remember Bohemian Rhapsody may had won yeah. the editing Oscar, and there's like a yeah. thirty minute uh, video <laughs> on YouTube. I wish I could remember the guy's name that did it, so that I can I just know, direct everybody towards it. But it shows how <laughs> terrible that editing is, and it won an Oscar. So like, who knows what's going on there? There's probably a lot of like buddy buddy stuff going on when people get visual effects nominations and other kinds be. of editing, other kinds of nominations. I mean, Suicide Squad won an, won an Academy Award. So. It did. It really did. <laughs> I think that was makeup, though. I think that's yeah, what that was. It I, did. But I just love saying that Oscar winner, mm-hmm. Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. That never gets old. All right. So I guess now we can go talk about the film, mm-hmm. um, which we've given up probably a little bit. But um, I, I don't know. This is an interesting movie. Uh, so, yeah. So we'll go to the next segment. It is called A Review to a Kill. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. And now, gambling terms. Snake eyes. Rolling ones with a pair of dice. Double down. Doubling the original bet for one more card. Bad beat. When your strong hand gets beat. Illegal gambling can put you at risk. Protect our communities. Play legit and gamble only where it's legal. Learn more now at playlegitco.com. A message from the Colorado Division of Gaming. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. I've got you in my sights. 
Get the fuck out of my sight before I demolish you. What we've got here is failure to communicate. There's no need to shout. I'm not shouting. Why don't you stop your whining and get on with it? I've heard this shit before. Uh, we are going to give you our thoughts on whatever film we are discussing this week. This week we are discussing No Time to Die. I have not said Die Another Day once. Except mm. for when I've said I haven't said Die Another Day. Yes. That's pretty good. I don't know why. I just keep wanting to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, what do you think of No Time to Die, all 163 minutes of it? Yeah, I was sort of alluding to the fact that I don't like the direction of this. Everything about the uh, the movie so far have made the villain important to Bond in some way um, that it, that is apparent from the beginning. And the only reason why Safin becomes a personal vendettas because he kidnaps bond's family i understand yeah. that like that's a that's definitely a thing that you know that but he's got no importance really to bond himself until that happens um and so you know madeline makes reference of this at, at the in the last movie that a man came to kill her kill his, his, her dad uh, and found her mom instead. Of course, her mom throws out that little line before she dies, where it's like, "Oh, you, your father is an assassin. You, lo you love killers, and that's the thing that. Oh, okay, so she falls in <laughs> love with Bond later. That's supposed to be like, okay, cool. Um, but the fact that he's just not he's he's connected because Spectre killed his family, and and I like the idea of Spectre creating other monsters that are not connected to Spectre. I like that a mm -hmm. lot. I just kind of wish that he had more connection to Bond himself before, uh, before the movie even starts. Um, like maybe well, it's the last film too, right? So you kind of want that to be, you know, like it could have been Bond killed his family because his mm -hmm. family was in the line of fire of somebody that Bond killed, or it could have been a number of things. But but it ends up being where this, you know, where he's, it's like he's just kind of an unknown in this. And it's, and I feel like they're, I don't know, it just, I never connected to him as a villain in this movie the way they, the way all the other Bonds are. So there's a continuity that, of course, we, they've already screwed up several times because they're calling Spectre Quantum there for a second. Um, you know, there's a continuity there that I, I felt that left me a little cold. Um, it's hard to sometimes follow who's what, who's doing what, because mm -hmm. Lucifer Safin and Blofeld are both coordinating things in all of this. And I think the only mm -hmm. time, I think the only time someone is working, for, so I think the scientist is working for Lucifer. Um, because he changes all the, the DNA in that, um, that capsule that they shoot off in the party, the birthday yeah. party. So it kills all the specter people in there. And, that, and, and then I think that, uh, assassin Primo is working with Blofeld and then he's working with Lucifer, uh, in, by the end of it. So he switches sides, mm. but there's so many things in this. I remember sending a lot of the stuff that's in this movie when we did the video for it. And it's just like, um, the, 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 um, the mechanical eye that Blofeld is using to communicate. They're just like, Oh yeah. He had a mechanical eye that we somehow never saw when we, 
we uh we i guess we just let him have the eye patch or something like when he went in <laughs> it's not like these mechanical eyes are hard to spot you can see primo at the beginning of it he has one of those yeah. eyes and it's easy to spot it's not like oh man that looks so real you know it, mm-hmm. and so like he's apparently been able to like communicate to his underlings this whole time using this mechanical eye and nobody picked up on it um the fact that uh, Madeline Swan is his only trusted psychiatrist and that they let that uh, they allowed that to happen um just made no sense to me um and, and they and they need it so that Lucifer can go can go in and say hey spread put this poison on on Blofeld so you know so that he, she's the you know they make it so that not only she has to be involved with the big Blofeld meeting bond is also involved with it and that's the way they connect back after mm-hmm. all those all those years when they go and talk to blofeld blofeld's like uh i didn't have any real plan but i knew you were gonna go and visit vesper's grave at one point so i guess he's got people just waiting i guess i think uh, we said that too yeah we did and it's just like there's people just waiting for him to walk by the grave and of course the whole thing makes him distrust madeline and and madeline is about to tell him like i've got something you need to know and he's like i bet you do and that's that that's it we don't really hear anything about what secret kept kept her from like it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that specter shows up to kill him at all doesn't have anything to do with that so you're sitting there like bond you're like Oh, Madeline, Madeline, like, uh, did just like what Vesper did. And he, she threw him under the bus and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But then when they reveal that she didn't, do do you remember what the secret is that she was going to tell him that Mm -mm. it, it, which, uh, who Madeline was going to tell him? Yeah. Yeah. Cause at first I thought she was going to tell him that she was Bluefield's daughter, but then I got the impression she didn't know that for a minute. Well, she's no, she's Mr. White. Not, not Bluefeld. It's his like it's uh, whoever that uh, No, what was she going to tell him then? No, I don't know. Cuz yeah. she never says what that secret is. I don't is. think she ever says what the secret daughter. is. Mr. White is yeah, it's like uh like he knows all the things that she's told him. The only thing that she may have not told him in that story about the man who came to shoot her is that he survived and he saved her, but I don't think that has anything to do with the the vesper grave whatsoever um so yeah like it they they make it out to be like oh madeline's another vesper lynn she's just out for herself Mm -hmm. and blah 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 and then finally when it's revealed she didn't do anything it's like well what was all that before then where she was like i gotta tell you something and uh whatever so maybe i'm missing something uh i i i i I completely understand that there's some times where something important may have just slipped uh, slipped under the cracks to slip through the cracks uh but I, I i thought i didn't like that whatsoever that they were just there camped out waiting for him to show up and visit the grave and of course it's so dumb too the way that he, he goes there and he just notices something in the ground and it's specter's like symbol on a card and like the bomb should have easily killed him um anyway uh going through all of this i'm just not i'm just not happy with this story whatsoever um yeah and um and so i just i i, I just it, it it leaves me cold i know 7.3 i guess people are liking the fact that this is how bond ends oh and he has uh, he has a 
he found love in the end and he has a he has a child and all this and maybe that's what people are really responding to by the end of this movie but the work the effort to get there i don't think is is worth it uh i don't know if it's i i just didn't enjoy this movie so yeah i i i like it more than you uh i don't disagree with a lot of the things you're saying uh and by the way uh people like i was just i was just doing a google search because the only thing people think it might have been was she might have been telling them she was pregnant uh, oh, but that she has a kid, but that doesn't have anything to do. Well, she's pregnant. Yeah, that, but that doesn't have anything to do with Blofeld either. That doesn't. No, it absolutely no. I so think the, it, I think it was probably something that they put in and then they just I, it almost was like they edited something out and then just left that in. I don't know. Yeah, and, uh, and it's it's really strange, that whole thing, because you because yeah. you're like, oh, she's got a secret. Oh, they're yeah. going to find out that okay she she did throw him under the bus but it was for the right reasons or some shit like that yeah and like you know she's really innocent and all this but it turns out she's completely 100 percent innocent yeah yeah she just it, happened to take him there because she thought that would help him yeah you know, it would help him it would help him say bye to her and then you know they could they could go off and have their kid and have fun yeah because uh, bond is also retired again yeah uh, at the beginning of this movie i feel like there's less time that bond actually works for mi6 in the craig films than he's not um the other thing not. the other thing too we briefly mentioned this although i think i confused it uh like we're talking about the micro blood which they do use again in this one to track yeah. bond and the new 007 they use the micro blood but the they're they're using a nanobot technology to uh spread this virus that attacks dna so basically that's the reason why he sacrifices himself at the end is because he knows that he'll give it to his daughter uh if he if he makes it off the island the the thing is they make this whole thing where it's like oh it's in your blood forever and there's no cure for it and i was like yeah but couldn't you get off the island and just not see your family for a while and um and and Wear see if gloves. They, and yeah and see if there's a way that yeah. maybe you know yeah or be in a plastic bubble i don't know there but <laughs> but but like it seems like to me this is a brand new technology that they're learning a whole yeah. bunch about and i guarantee you if they wanted to keep bond uh, around they wanted to keep daniel craig around or whatever or he wanted to uh, stay around they would have found a, a serum that would would have affected it they would have found oh, absolutely so, so like it, it's weird to me that he's just like oh well i guess that's it for me i guess i don't have, i guess because i'm just gonna let these bombs rain down on me at the end of the movie instead of like hoping for maybe a cure or whatever they're just saying outright there's no cure for this and almost like there never will be and it's like come on now come and i don't it's it, well and is q a doctor like <laughs> yeah yeah i don't I, know he's like I, a hacker and he's a he's a he's a, a thing he's like a gadget inventor and he's a doctor <laughs> yes he's just like and he, he can make really elaborate dinners yes uh, i just i can't I, I was thinking that I don't even know if we said that this is video. I was just thinking that this time, like I don't know how Q would have the knowledge to give like that kind. Like you said, a they don't know much about this, mm -hmm. but also I just don't know why he would have the medical knowledge to be able to say. I feel like yeah, you'd send him to like the top geneticist or well, whatever, whatever they think they need to send him to. And these nanobots yeah. are obviously spreading to yeah. other people. So do they reproduce inside? Yeah, I don't, like, I don't know. It's like, not explained well. Like nanobots themselves sound like a finite thing. They don't sound like 
things that go in and reproduce and have extra ones yeah. that come out. So like, I, I, it's one of those things that I'm just like, that's just, that seem, I, I kind of in, in theory, I like the setup of that because he makes the sacrifice mm -hmm. and whatever, but, but the, I, I feel like they needed to explain that a little bit better for that to be a, to be yeah. a, to be a, a, a true, like a, an ending that I, that I really like. Um, uh, because it, it, it just seems like he's just giving up. He's just like, I'm done, yeah. you know? So, yeah, no, I don't disagree. Um, I mean, I like the ending, but I also, yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, I'm not, I don't know if it completely earns the ending, I guess is what we're trying to say. Um, I, oh, by the way, and I think you might've even corrected me, but I obviously met Mr. White, uh, was her dad and mm -hmm. not, uh, not Blofeld. But I was just going to say Bond already knew that. So that yeah, could be a secret. He knows that but, very um, early on in Spectre. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, the, I will say, like, so this kind of feels like Live and Let Die to me, where we talked about, I remember when Live and Let Die, we were talking about, or at least I was saying, I thought, this is a really good Bond movie for, like, 45 minutes to an hour. Mm -hmm. And then and then once you kind of realize what the villain's doing and all that stuff, it just kind of, I don't know, it starts well, that's, going yeah, downhill that's, that's a little That's the ultimate thing there, too. The villain, yeah. the villain plan, which uh, reminds yeah. me... I can't remember which villain remi this reminds me of, but like at first, I, at, at first he, he's just trying to get revenge on Spectre and you're like, Oh, well that's good yeah. enough. That's, that's, that's perfectly fine. But he can't just be getting revenge on Spectre. He also has to be somehow wanting to destroy the world too at the same time. And well, he wants to sell it because he, he does to what? say at one point, huh? He wants to what? He, he says the buyers are show like at one point when they're on the island, he says the buyers will be here shortly. So he wants to show how it works and I think sell it to the highest bidder. Yeah. That was the impression I got. And it's just, and, and to me, if you're motivated by the family that got killed yeah. by Spectre, you're not also looking to be like spread more evil around the world uh after that but you know they have to make him a bond villain somehow a classic bond well, villain. And that's still con that's still confusing though because like i said i just happened to catch that line of dialogue like i don't think there's a scene where he actually says that but the fact that he says the buyers will be here shortly mm -hmm. i assume that's what he's talking about and the other thing is like uh tanner is telling elm that like or Mallory, as he's mostly called in this. I, I love Craig saying Mallory, by the way. Like, mm -hmm. What have you done, Mallory? Mm -hmm. uh, and I love they tied him into this, too. And they almost, they did make it seem like maybe Elm was a villain. Then you find out that, like, why they were building it was a good thing. But mm -hmm. then, you know, it, it, but then obviously it was one of the things that could get turned, yep. turned badly quickly. But um, although I, I still don't really know how you could use this for the, for the good of anything, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but they start saying, like, all these other like there's these ships coming in and all that stuff. So I got confused as to whether that was the buyers because they don't mention them again. I mean, so yeah, there were apparently Russian boats military. coming in and yeah, there's like Russian yeah. boats coming in and all that. And they're coming, they're coming to get Heracles, but yeah, there's not really any like discussion as to the, we don't, like a past bonds, you'd always see like a big meeting with, you know, you know, like in Goldfinger, you'd see all the potential buyers would come in and, yeah. you know, and then he'd <laughs> kill whoever didn't want to do it. And, you know, that type of thing. I was uh, just thinking about those gangsters in Goldfinger. Like, hey, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, what, are you, what are you trying to <laughs> what sell What are you doing me? here? <laughs> and they're clearly like French people or something. Yeah, like yeah. French actors. Right.
Yeah, so it gets really convoluted and confusing there at the end. There's a lot of stuff going on, and I don't think it... I, it feels like they either they edited some stuff out or they didn't... I, mean, I don't know. There's something going on at the end that doesn't make a lot of sense. A big thing early on, though, that bothers me a little bit is they went out of their... Like, they just went all the way around to try to get this get this uh, continuity correct in Spectre, where they're bringing Spectre in, and we're going to forget that quantum stuff, and we're going to make... Uh, um, uh, the villain in Skyfall is even going to be part of Spectre, mm-hmm. and um, and then and then they kill them all. Yeah, like thirty minutes into this movie, like all an this hour all that movie. time spent getting Spectre back, and then you just <laughs> wipe them out in two movies. It's kind of like it's kind of like the White Walkers in Game of Thrones, where they sat there for yeah. like seasons, going how dangerous these guys are, and kill them in one episode. Yeah, and I feel like in some ways I like this movie more the more I watch it. But then in other ways, there are things that I keep noticing that kind of take me back out of it. I don't even understand why Safin wants that kid. Yeah. I cannot, like for the life of me. No. I guess I get why he kidnaps them. I, but even that, I don't really well, understand. He because kidnaps the she kid. didn't do anything to him. He kidnaps the kid. And then like, she's like, I don't want to go. And he's like, okay. Yeah. He just lets her go. Yeah. He was like, I don't care anymore. Like go yeah. off and you're going to go, go find your doo-doo and uh, you're going to get, yeah, exactly. get blown up. The kid's adorable, though. I love that kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even mind that. I don't mind that Bond has a kid. I don't. I mean, it definitely makes the ending uh, hit a little harder. But at the same time, she doesn't really know him. The kid mm-hmm. doesn't. I mean, so yeah. uh, it's. I guess it's more sad for for Swan. Um, but yeah, I don't. There, but there is a lot of stuff in this. I like. It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think these are some of the. This is some of the best stunt work and action sequences I've seen in any of the Craig films. Um. I love that the the scene at the Spectre party is is a lot of fun to watch uh, with Anna de Armas and, mm-hmm. and Bond like you know going around and taking out people uh, and there's also that great sequence at the beginning that they apparently had a really hard time with but I yep. love the motorcycle chase yeah and there's uh, a, a pretty cool unbroken shot going through a stairway mm-hmm. towards the end that's yep. really nice and yeah the thing I was saying kind of felt like a video game but yeah well, yeah no, one of those cool. things that they're talking about uh, in the uh, action like the six minute action yeah. thing that I saw on this is that they, this is going to be bond like Daniel Craig's last, uh, big action scene. Yeah. We want to make it good. So that's what they, they did with that one. It reminded me a I, bit of the atomic blonde one. Uh, they oh, did yeah. the, did that same thing in atomic blonde and similar, uh, setting, uh, almost not, maybe not a factory, but a staircase and all that where they did that unbroken yeah, no, that's, shot. It's been a minute, but that sounds right. That, that mm. movie, that movie has really grown on me. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so all that's fun. Um, well, children of men too. children of men also have a pretty yeah. similar scene as well. And a broken shot that goes through stairways and stuff like that. So, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, and then obviously, like we said, we like Lashana Lynch. We like Anna Darmus. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of fun actors there. and I, and I, I even like the guy playing Arabichev. It's just that he's such a Boris. I just, it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to, yeah. Uh, I do wonder things though, like in the action scene in the stairways though, and it's it's a great moment when he throws the one grenade down and then Bond throws it back up, and then all of a sudden like five or six come down. But I'm sitting there thinking, why did you start with five or six? Like, mm-hmm. why would you? I know, because it, it's it's like the villains like it's funnier if I do it this way. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, Bond also surviving a lot of these things even before he dies. It seems to be getting more ridiculous. Uh, you talking about the opening sequence, though, I will say Craig films have been the most consistent with the opening sequences, I think. I think all of them have been pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pre-title 
uh, yeah. sequences. This one is good. It just makes no yeah. sense to me. The, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Just the whole Blofeld, like, is just apparently got henchmen hanging out by a Vesper's grave waiting for Bond. Yeah, to, that doesn't you know. make any sense. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree with that. But, I mean, the action sequence itself Actions is good. really yeah. well done. Yeah. And he's got the, um, you know, he's got the bulletproof car, which just seems to never, ever break, no matter how mm -hmm. many bullets get shot into it. And nobody ever shoots the tires and, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't you do that first? Yeah. <laughs> just make sure he can't uh, drive off. I do like that moment though, where he's just like being a dick, mm -hmm. <laughs> like just like staying there. Yeah, I think it's just like that thing he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, like he wants to help her, but he's also super pissed at her. So mm -hmm. kind of, uh, I I mean I, I can't imagine I'll ever be in that situation. Uh, nope. I don't I don't see my wife ratting me out to like you know international bad guys. Yeah, you never know. You never know. But yeah, and then like I said, I think there's a lot of good humor in this movie. I think this one is like genuinely funny. Like it's not just like the cheesy shit, you know, Bond saying these stupid one-liners and stuff. Like there's actual like, there's actual like humorous moments that kind of take you out of like, uh, you know, alleviate you, I guess, from all mm. the, the direness that's going mm. on. So I think it's, I think it's structured really interestingly. I just, at the end of the day though, I don't think, Rami Malek's character is that it. I, and maybe it's not his fault. I can't say I'm a huge fan of him. Um, I don't think he's terrible by any means, but I'm just, I don't know. Mm, what I've mm -hmm. seen him in, I've never just been, woo. Yeah. Uh, it could just be the quality of the movies, too. I never got into Mr. Robot, so I don't, maybe that's where mm. I would be like, hell yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just never got into that. Um, so I don't know, but I don't like the villain at all. I don't, I don't. He's one of the least, he's one of the least interesting villains, I think, in the entire franchise. Yeah. Uh, um, and you don't even, like I said, you don't even notice like he's gone for as long as he's gone. And then he shows back up and you're like, oh yeah, fuck this mm -hmm. guy's here. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, the ending just doesn't make sense. I feel like this should lead up to him killing Spectre almost like it, it just like after he's done that, I, I don't, I don't know. It's not that interesting. If that's all he wants to do is sell it. Like that's just, that's not interesting. Like yeah. there's nothing about that. That's interesting. And I still can't really figure out why he decided to. I guess he's just crazy, so maybe that's why he decided to kidnap Swan and her daughter. But I just, I still just don't. Well, get and it. and it's like a thing he says when he goes into her office that you know, once you save a life, uh, you're connected. It's just mm -hmm. the same as ending a life, and blah blah blah. And it's like, okay, all right, I guess you know, that's that's the the one thread of the connection that they're talking about, and that he's actually in love with her, I guess, and whatever. That's why he goes yeah. through that whole. That whole thing where he he mentions all the different similarities he has with Bond, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, li uh, license to kill and in love with Madeline Swan and blah blah blah, and like it's like, yeah, yeah, I do remember you had that license to kill. I forgot about that. And you could even, I think you could even argue that Bond is not needed. Um, like I cannot figure out for the life of me why Ash thinks it's a good idea to hire him. Yeah, because uh, ha he has to know that he if he did find this out, I don't know. That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me when you find out that he's bad. Um, and I don't know why M brings him back in. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it. There, I mean, he even basically tell even after Bond, like, you know, helps them, you know, M's just like, fuck you, basically. Thank mm. you for your service again. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I really like Ray Fiennes in this movie, though. Uh, I hate that he was injured, but I <laughs> do uh, something about his performance. He does. It feels like he's. Uh, he's really, he's got a lot more to do, I guess, you know, he's involved in it to a point and all that kind of stuff. This might be the best Craig is, um, mm. 
I he's it's up there. I mean, it's in that Casino Royale Skyfall as far yeah. as his performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he's got a lot of weight. He's got a lot of gravitas, and I and I, he does very well. Whether that ending scene makes sense or not, or whether it's earned, he does very well in that moment. And uh, it's it's kind of sad, you know, when he's like climbing up that ladder trying to talk to mm. just to Madeline and all yeah. that stuff. It just sucks. Um. I'm still curious as fuck what they're going to do, though. Like, that's the thing about this that interests me even more. It's like, what's next? Like, yeah. I just, I, I don't know. know if they're going to go back at the beginning. I hope not. I don't want to see a fucking origin story. Yeah. <laughs> Where they just do a Dr. No and yeah. it's a remake. He, yeah. Yeah. He gets bit by a spider. Right. I don't want to see that again. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, MCU figured it out with Spider-Man. They were able to introduce him like he had already been. I mean, they mm-hmm. they can throw Bond in something. I mean, I, I guess he's going to be earlier in his career. It's going to have to be. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm really curious. Or maybe there'll be multiverses. Maybe that's what they're going to do. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. So I don't know. Overall, I do think I like this movie, though, because there's just so much to like, but it definitely falls far from being like a great Bond film. Mm-hmm. Uh, which sucks because I think with a little bit more of an interesting villain, because I think the I think the the device, the weapon is interesting enough, even though some of it doesn't make sense. But I think that's an interesting enough uh, like uh, mm-hmm. a thing to have in there. But I just wish you had a more interesting bad guy. Yeah. And like you said, someone that tied into Bond a little more mm-hmm. or it, you know, I don't know. Yeah. And I feel like they've done this. It's personal thing with Bond way too many times, too. So that doesn't really work. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah, I know what you mean. We are now going to rank this film in four different categories. Our scale will be based on something that Bond holds near and dear to his heart, as long as they are shaken and not stirred, and that would be martinis. So for each category, we will rank from one to five martinis, five being the best damn liquid that has ever passed your lips, one being the well liquor you had to settle for or were too drunk to care that night. So the first thing we always rank is the story, which pretty much is our overall feeling, like what we've been talking about, I guess. Our overall yeah, I mean, movie. there's a there are, I, I, I've bagged on this movie a bunch. There are a lot of, of uh, ideas I like in the movie. I just don't think it. I don't think they need to all be in the same movie. Um, so uh, I, I'm I'm gonna give this a three just because I, I just think it's good, and then they just execute everything poorly for me. So. Yeah. Uh, it can't be a 2.5. It's very close to dropping to a 2.5 for me, but uh, I, I'm going to go and just make it a solid three. Yeah, I don't think this is anywhere close to as good as Casino Royale or Skyfall. I think it is quite a bit better than Spectre and Quantum of Solace, and, uh, for, for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. You could argue that both of those tell, the, tell at least Quantum of Solace, you could argue it might tell its story a little better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as the quality of the film, I think this is better, but I'm still somewhere around there. I'm... I might be a little closer to three and a half, but yeah, three mm-hmm. for me. Uh, the Bond, the performance. I think Craig's great here. Um, I yeah. don't know. I can't remember what I've given in the past, but uh, I, I four and a half. I guess. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll give him. I'll give him a four. That's. I mean, he's yeah. he's always good. He's always good as this character. So. Um. Yeah. Now this. Uh. The villain. <laughs> Which really all we have is Saf, and I guess you can count Ash. Uh, but yeah, I don't really want and to. Uh, that primo guy who shows up oh, yeah, with that's a mechanical true. eye. Yeah, primo. But, but uh, uh, yeah, this is a this is a two for me. Um, yeah. I I don't like I said I don't pretend to know exactly how they could have made this character better, but um, but uh, it just feels like he comes out of nowhere in the in a, mm-hmm. in the final chapter of a Bond that you are making Daniel Craig's send off, 
it would have mm-hmm. been nice for him for this villain to have more of a connection to um to the to bond himself before he kidnaps the family and that's what's mm-hmm. sort of weird to me about this is this is a big huge you know we're sending you off daniel craig thank you for your service and now we're going to introduce this villain that your girlfriend ran into a few years ago <laughs> um so I, I, I so yeah he's a two for me uh i don't understand his motivations uh where he kills specter and then he still wants to do sort of a global domination thing by the end of it so i'm not i'm not a big fan of it no i'm the same it's a two he's uh and he's not very threatening like i don't i don't ever feel like he yeah. could even hang i mean there's kind of there's like one little kind of fight scene with the two of them but bond's mostly dominating it you know he throws them in the water and all that stuff mm-hmm. the only thing that happens there is i guess Safin's able to scratch his face yeah uh with the with the with the uh convenience blood or whatever yeah. you call that uh, the Bond song, No Time to Die. Um, I really like this song. Um, I And I, I, I think I mentioned this last week. Not a huge Billie Eilish fan. Not that I don't think she's talented. I do, but I just that's just not my... That's just not the style of music I really listen to. But this is obviously done in a Bond style. Mm-hmm. But she's also able to kind of add her, uh, you know, her attitude, her flourish to it. So it, I think it works really well. I'm going to give it a four. I think, I've, I think the only one that I might like better is Skyfall. Yeah, so, I'm gonna give this um, one a five. I really, really love the. Oh, nice. I, I love nice. Billie Eilish, and I love, um, yeah. I love what she does with this song too. When I first heard that she was doing a Bond song, I was like, mm, I don't know about that, but yeah, it turns out really, really good. Yeah. So I, I will say I've only heard like her radio stuff. I need to like actually like pop because she's always intrigues me, but I've just never really been able to get into her. But I do think she's very talented, mm-hmm. obviously. Yep. Um, I get why people like her, but maybe if I just like actually listen to an album, if people still do that these days, mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe I'd find some stuff. Maybe it would make more sense. It, you may. I'm not sure. Um, if you yeah. didn't, if you don't like the stuff that's on the radio, I don't know if you would like. I, I would hear a bunch of stuff on Alt Nation, and I don't know how like how much you would hear outside of straight pop radio, or if you heard, if you ever have satellite radio and you listen to Alt Nation or anything. Uh, so if you, if, if, if you didn't like any of the things that you heard on Alt Nation, you may not like anything that she comes out with. Yeah. I don't know if dislikes the word, but I just, she never, she hasn't really like, I don't know. It's just not something I'm like, Oh, I want to listen to that right now. Yeah. I mean, the, the songs are perfectly fine. I don't, I don't think they're bad songs. It's just something, I don't know. She's just got it. And she has a very unique style. I mean, there yep. is something she's, she's almost like, it almost kind of reminds me. I mean, it's very different style, but in that, and she kind of, she's kind of like a Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. where I just, like, I don't think there's anyone that sounds like her. Just like, mm-hmm. I don't think there's anyone that sounds like Bob Dylan. Yeah. Um, and so I like that because I think that's cool. Uh, but obviously, you know, still, if you don't have an ear for it, you don't have an ear for it. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. But I can still respect her. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so obviously, we're not doing The Spy Who Reads Me because this is not based on a book. Because uh, if it had, it might have made more sense. I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but we are going to do something a little fun. Uh, we're going to do, uh, now that we've covered all 27 of these films, we're going to kind of quickly or as quickly as we can. Uh, we have each ranked them. I don't know. I guess we'll just figure out what our individual rankings are. I'm just kind of curious how close they are. So do you want to start at the bottom? Yeah, I'll start at the bottom and work my way. Now, I. I will say, let's say I, I'm going to give them groupings and I will make a definitive, like whether or not I, I'll, you'll see how, how I'm doing this. I have ranked okay, cool. it in a definitive way, 
But mm-hmm. I could see a lot of these like sliding up and down depending on several factors or whatever. But the first group, the first group of movies, I actually went back and listened to what I gave each thing. I couldn't find cool. I couldn't find all of them. Like you trying to scrub through your own audio on a yeah on a thing is hard to find a lot of things. But I found a lot of them. But um 27 is going to be the man with the golden gun i think i've been pretty clear that that's the worst one since yeah i think the beginning i'll go ahead and say that that's mine too yeah so, so that one is that's pretty easy that that one is had a one i think it's the only one that i gave a one mm-hmm. um out of all of them the rest of them in this grouping one two three four five six seven all have twos or 2.5s so mm-hmm. Uh, a view to a kill is twenty six. Oh, that's mine too. <laughs> okay, good. That's gonna um, be interesting. Twenty five is the nineteen sixty seven Casino Royale. Okay. Twenty four is for your eyes only. Uh, twenty. Interesting. Yep. Oh wow. That, yeah. Twenty three is Die Another Day. Twenty two is Diamonds Are Forever. Twenty one is The World Is Not Enough. And twenty is You Only Live Twice. Um, All right. I could see I could see flip-flopping several of these back and forth but they're all the, the they're they're all the ones that really just come off like not the best you know not, not even average bond at sometimes so Yeah if you went to, I'll go ahead and do so you did 27 through 20 is that what you yeah. did Yeah Yep Yeah so mine was man with a golden gun and view to a kill those okay. are the same uh, I had diamonds are forever at 25 but that's still not far and then yeah, I had still- die another day at t- I died another day at 24, mm-hmm. and I had Casino Royale 1967 at 23. So we mm-hmm. have all of those. Yeah. And that uh, World is Not Enough I had at 22. Did you mention that one? Yep. Yep. For Your Eyes Only, you said, right? Yep. I have that at 21. So I think the only one I have that wasn't also in yours, my 20 is Quantum of Solace. Oh, okay. And I have Quantum of Solace coming into the next grouping, but, uh, but yeah, that's... Um... So that's 27 through 20. Yep. Yeah. And I had Man with a Golden Gun, View to a Kill, and Diamonds Are Forever. I had all of those at one and a half on Letterboxd. And then after that, it goes into two to two and a half. Yeah. So, um, uh, not too far after Quantum of Solace, you're actually going to get into movies that I like. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a decent amount that I like. The next grouping is the biggest one because if you've been listening, three and 3.5 are the, are the m- most uh you know used uh ratings um and actually you know what i did make a mistake well okay it's still going to be outside the top 20 so so quantum of solace will come right after this it's 19 mm-hmm. um uh i had it rate i had it i had the rating by it but i did not group it with all the others so quantum of solace would be 19 uh then never say never again i have at 18 uh mainly on the strength of barbara carrero's performance i'm always going to uh look fondly on never say never again just because of her uh i mean i could probably watch it again just to watch her i might turn it off after she dies but i could watch it up to that point yeah uh, number 17, I have Dr. No, probably the averagest bond there is, uh, if you just take them all as a whole. I do. Six, I have that one a little higher, but not too um, 16, I have The Living Daylights. Um, is that 16? 19, 18, 17? Yeah, 16, I have The Living Daylights. Mm-hmm. 15, License to Kill. 
14, Live and Let Die, which was the one that had the great opening half and the bad mm-hmm. second half. Uh, I could see that going either way, but uh, that's where I ended up on that one. Uh, so Live and Let Die is 14. Octopussy is the 13th. Um, I have Spectre at 12. On Her Majesty's Secret Service at 11, and Moonraker at 10. And we still have threes to go. So uh, that's where I go to my from 19 to 10. Yeah, I had, uh, so Quantum of Solace was my 20. So I had Spectre at 19. Okay. Uh, you Only Live Twice, I have at 18. Mm-hmm. Never Say Never Again, I have at 17. Uh, we both have Living Daylights at 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, I have at 15. You haven't said that one yet, I have right? that one up higher, yeah. Yeah. Well, I have License to Kill and um, Live and Let Die a little higher, too. Mm-hmm. I have Octopussy at 14. I actually have No Time to Die at 13. Oh, okay. Uh, Dr. No at 12. Thunderball, I have at 11. Hmm. And then and then we both have Moonraker at 10. Okay. it's a, And that's interesting, you know, uh, but, you know, that, that you have you have No Time to Die lower on your list but I have it higher on my list and you like no time to die more than I do. So that's, that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, I uh, will say starting at living daylights, you're getting into three stars for me. So starting at like the, the top 16 or three stars and above. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so let's see, that was 19 through 10. I said Moonraker was my 10. Yeah. Uh, so I have no time to die at nine. Uh, Thunderball at eight. Uh, Tomorrow never dies at seven. Uh, nice. Goldfinger at six, from Russia with Love at five, Goldeneye at four, Skyfall at three, The Spy Who Loved Me at two, and Casino Royale at one. The 2006 Casino Royale at number one. That is that is a very fair number one. A lot of people have that at number one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so it was between li- that and The Spy Who Loved Me, who which yeah. bef- before yeah. starting this up, I had The Spy Who Loved Me at number one. Uh, after considering both movies uh, in a recent viewing, I have now got Casino Royale ahead of it. Honestly, I've my top three, any of those could be number one. It's mm-hmm. fine. You know, like I, I, I wouldn't, you know, you may, it might be the day you asked me about it. Uh, I've got Live and Let Die at nine, so I like that a little. I, I, I thought it was what was good. Yeah. Propped it up a little bit for me. Uh, Goldeneye at eight. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, so Tomorrow Never Dies, I like that you have it that I, Tomorrow Never Dies was probably, for me, the biggest surprise. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I really didn't remember liking that at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it ended up being pretty damn good. Uh, but yeah. anyways, Live and Let Die at 9, Golden Eye at 8, the best Brosnan, easily, even though mm-hmm. Tomorrow Never Dies is pretty good. I've got From Russia With Love at 7, and I've actually got On Her Majesty's Secret Service at 6. Yeah. Uh, if you, I swear, if the, if that's Connery... I think that might be the number one. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very it's, That's how good that movie is on its, yeah. on its own. Yeah. Uh, I've got Skyfall at five. So the biggest one we disagree on, I've got License to Kill at four. Oh, yeah. Actually, okay. Now that I'm thinking about it, I probably would put Skyfall ahead of that. I don't really know why. I probably could switch those. But regardless, mm-hmm. that's what I have right now. I have Casino Royale at three. Mm-hmm. I have Goldfinger at two. And I have Spy Who Loved Me at one. Those mm-hmm. three for me are easily the top three, and I mm-hmm. think any of those could be number one for me. Mm-hmm. Were those your top three too? Was Gold was Goldfinger a third? No, Goldfinger was lower for you, right? Yeah, Goldfinger's at six. I I think the the removal of Bond from the action for the most part of Goldfinger sort of yeah. uh, drops it for me, and and uh, the 
the uh the the villain plan is so is so weird to me but i like goldfinger quite a bit um from russia with love i think uh which i have at five um from russia with love was a little bit better than i remembered seeing the first time oh gotcha um but uh, I have in my top four, GoldenEye is four, Skyfall is mm. three, Spy Who Loved Me is two, Casino Royale is at one. Um, yeah, the Spy, the Spy Who Loved Me has been consistently at near the top uh, mm-hmm. oh, during, me too. during both of the runs of Bond that I had. This is the only the first, this is the first Bond run through that I've done where I've gotten to see the Craigs again. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, after my initial viewing of uh of uh the spy who loved me back in the day i had that number one um uh, on my list and casino royale if you had asked me before this started i would have probably put it i don't know three four somewhere around there but there was something about watching it again uh really enjoyed it so it, oh it's it's excellent by the way i did switch officially i did switch license to kill and sky falls but I mean, the Spy Who Loved Me and Goldfinger, it could be. I've just, I've seen those a lot more. Those have been with me a lot longer. I don't know. Because Casino Royale, I mean, it's 17 years old or whatever at this point. So mm-hmm. it's not like that's recency bias or anything. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just, I guess if I was going to sit down, I just kind of thought, which ones would I put on first? Goldfinger was my favorite for the longest time, actually. That was the one I watched a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, but Spy Who Loved Me just, I don't know. There's something about Spy Who Loved Me. It's just, it, I feel like it captures, I feel like it captures both sides of the Bond films. Like it's, it's, it's a little dark at times. It's a, it's tragic, but also it's, it's fun. It's funny. You know, it, it kind of captures like both sides of Bond, um, which I feel like No Time to Die in times is doing a really good job of that, but then it just kind of falls short. And, um, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, that I, is interesting. I spent uh, this whole podcast talking about how I don't like No Time to Die and ends up ninth on my list of, uh, and I think there's it's an interesting thing. There's an interesting thing that happens when you're watching this. There is some recency bias because, yeah, um, the modern movies, every Daniel Craig movie has mm-hmm. looked fantastic. They have gotten the Absolutely. best cinematographers on these mm-hmm. things. They all look great. They don't look like better they're going, directors. Yeah, better directors. They don't look like they're going to age like like horribly yeah. in the next twenty years. Um, so you're watching movies that are just very well made, very technically mm-hmm. well made, and it's hard to shake that when you're watching these. Yeah. Uh, even even if you're not liking the story, there's other things to really like about all the Daniel Craig's and uh and so like uh, that's what what ends up happening a movie that you're kind of down on ends up in a 27 movie series ends up being in the top 10 so well and i also think maybe there's only like three or four of these that are actually like great and then after that you've just got a lot of like these are good yeah it's just kind of however you feel like which one would you watch if you had a choice right um Honored Majesty's Secret Service, though, might be, it's while it's it's also one of the best, it's also one of the most irritating, because like I said, if you had a different actor in there that actually want, because I just, I think Lazenby, not only is he not great in it, but I think part of the problem is he just didn't really enjoy it. Like, he just, he just didn't really like acting, which is that's why a, he didn't sign that contract. And That's one that's fallen the most for me after the second mm-hmm. viewing is Honored Majesty's Secret Service. I think when I ranked these uh, back in the day, I had Honor Majesty Secret Service in the top five because it was a mm-hmm. surprise for me. Um, 
but watching it again, the Lazenby thing is hard to get ignore it uh, is. when you're watching this. But Diana Rigg is probably the first female in a Bond mm-hmm. that's treated with any kind of respect. I guess Goldfinger, you got, you know, I, I guess in Goldfinger you've got uh, kind of yeah, uh, Honor but, Blackman, but Honor Blackman and Pussy Galore. You got, <sighs> but the problem is for me with her character in that movie is that he just force kisses her and then she's mm-hmm. like okay i'll do whatever you want james bond and it's like it's it's probably one of and the most she annoying might thing. be gay like yeah. i i i i get the impression she's supposed to be gay yeah so that's what i that's, that's what i understand yeah. from that too yeah so yeah. it's it's one of those things where it's like finally someone who you know is is doing their own thing and they're not worried mm-hmm. about what bond's gonna do and then they totally ruin that character by the end of it so um so i think diana riggs the first one that comes off with any like uh just comes off yeah. the best uh the first one yeah. that comes off the best uh in in those in that series and it was really and high she for does me. everything she can she does everything she can to help lazenby like mm-hmm. try to make it you know i mean she really tries but they have no chemistry no i mean it's i eva green is easily i think the best female lead yeah in a bond film i, I agree with that diana rigg might be second Mm-hmm. It's very possible. I mean, yep. I, I'd have to think about that for a second. But I would take Diana Rigg over Honor Blackman, I think. Mm-hmm. I think Diana Rigg's a better actor, first off. I mean, I yeah. think that's part of it. Honor Blackman's not terrible, but, I mean, she's just not. But then you have something like The Spy Who Loved Me, which is awesome, but I don't really. Barbara Bach's not great in no. that role. Like, but it's that, a pretty decent least, role. Yeah. But at least there's a character that's, uh, that's you know, that does spy stuff and, and you know, is, is not she just looks a damsel part. in distress. Yeah. Yeah. And she looks the part. And I mean, her and Roger Moore actually do have chemistry and, uh, you know, I, or at least a little bit, you know, so it, it doesn't really bother me the way Lazenby's performance bothers me. But that is huge. You are absolutely correct. That is a mm. huge thing. But you're right. The Craig films look better. Because even like Goldfinger, Goldfinger could, it looks like an episode of Columbo sometimes. Like it yeah. just... A lot of 60s movies are like that, though. A lot of 60s movies have that, like... Because 60s television... I think television started looking better in the 60s. And then... But then the movies kind of resemble the television. It's weird. So... Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I agree. When you're watching the Craig films, they feel like... I get why people like... The, like why, Especially younger people. I mean, that's going to be their bond. I totally get it. Because they do look amazing. Um I just don't necessarily have that attachment to them that I would have had to some of the other ones when I was younger, mm-hmm. uh, which is totally, I mean, that's fair. It's like people that grew up with the Star Wars prequels and, yeah. you know, they really love Revenge of the Sith or whatever in a way that I'm never going to just because I, it's just different um, yeah. for whatever reason. But, um, and they're wrong. <laughs> yes. And they're wrong. That's the end of the show where they're wrong. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I guess, yeah, I guess we do need to wrap this up. This has been a lot of fun. I hope everybody out there has enjoyed this. Um, we'll be back in some form or fashion, I think, at some point, uh, e- even if it's just for a new Bond film, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, hopefully you'll keep us, keep keep subscribed to us. So if anything ever, uh, uh, you know, when we start doing something else, it'll pop right back up in your feed. Also, before we go, we have social media. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter. Uh, we are at goldspy 7 uh, you can also reach out to me directly on Twitter. I am at Sam Loomis 13. You can email us at golddiamonddeath007 at gmail.com. Uh, and if you like this podcast and other things under the CinemaSins brand, we also have a Patreon you can join at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. And if you have a second to leave us a five-star review at your podcast listening app of choice, 
we would appreciate it. Thank you for joining us this week. Uh, we hope you will join us again for any future endeavors we partake on this, uh, this podcast. But until then, keep the martinis dry and shaken, the Baccarat shoe moving, and the Aston Martin fully gassed. This is Chris Atkinson and Jonathan Watkins signing off, and we will see you next mission. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 